tuning to Full Service Radio. Full Service Radio. Full Service. Full Service. Full Service. Full Service Radio. Welcome to Beer Me on Full Service Radio, broadcasting live from the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. I'm your host, Sarah Jane. I live, work, love beer here in Washington, D.C. During my time in culinary school, I gained an appreciation for good beer and continued my studies in beer at grad school at NYU. Since then, I have been a beer director, beer bar general manager, and I get to continue to explore the beer world with all of you wonderful listeners. So every week I will have a different guest from different parts of the beer world, brewers, importers, bartenders, educators, helping us explore this fascinating and dynamic world. Whether you're new to beer or a seasoned professional, we will have something for you. So about two years ago, a job was posted by the Smithsonian. It was a historian position. This person was tasked to collect uh, documents and uh, preserve the history of brewing, craft brewers, uh, and the beer industry in general in America. Uh, This got picked up by basically every single media outlet. uh, And every beer nerd, uh, embarrassingly, myself included, uh, threw their hat in the ring. The person uh, that emerged triumphant was Teresa McCullough, a very, very, very intelligent woman. Uh, So she is currently the historian of uh, the American Brewing Initiative history. Sorry, let's try this again. Uh, Is the historian of the American Brewing History Initiative at the Smithsonian's National Museum of American History. She has multiple degrees from Harvard, as well as a culinary arts degree. Teresa, uh, I'm sorry I muddled your title, but no, I really no, appreciate no you <laughs> coming in. It's completely my pleasure. Yeah. It's, you know, it's a long title, you know? <laughs> it, is, yes, it is, it is. Leave it to, like, a historical foundation to just, like, put five words where, like, you know, one would do. That's but. right, right, right. <laughs> the brewing historians. So yeah. The shortcut. There it is. <laughs> there it is. Uh, well, thank you again uh, for coming in on this uh, very rainy Tuesday yes. morning. Um, so... I got the privilege of uh, seeing kind of a presentation that you did during the Craft Brewers Conference this year in Nashville um, at at 8 a.m. in the morning. Um, Thank you for attending that. Of course. Um, It was was not hungover at all. Um, (laughs) But uh, what, so you kind of went through kind of American brewing history and and you really walked through a lot of the artifacts that you're working with. But I want to back up a little from that and just kind of describe to people what you do and kind of what it's been like these past, uh, you know, year and a half now, I sure. feel like. Yes, yes. Um, kind of going through this uh, really cool position. Definitely. So um, if any listeners out there, if you've been to the National Museum of American History recently and walked into the ground floor of the museum and seen our exhibition about the history of food in America, uh, you're greeted with Julia Child's kitchen uh, right there, which is the, the crown jewel of the exhibition. You'll note that the museum has clearly done a truly fantastic job collecting the history of American cuisine and American winemaking. Uh, but there was a sense that there was this uh, piece that could be uh, added or uh, you know, really uh, could, could complement the stories that we were telling already, and that, that is the history of brewing and beer in America. And the Smithsonian has collections related to the history of beer, but uh, there was a sense that, that 
this is really the best time to expand it, uh, primarily because of the amazing energy that uh, is really characteristic of the brewing industry now. And so uh, the museum uh, got together with the Brewers Association, which is the not-for-profit trade group which supports independent uh, craft brewers and home brewers, and decided to begin this collecting initiative, which they call the American Brewing History Initiative. And it's a three-year project to go out around the country and to document and collect and preserve the uh, brewing culture of America. And so I, as you said, I was uh, just incredibly fortunate to, um, to land the position. And so for the last year and a half, that, that's what I've been doing. And as a historian, I started at the beginning. I uh, surveyed first what the museum has and found collections that are heaviest in the late 19th century and early 20th century related to brewing equipment and advertising material in particular. Uh, but my special focus is on 20th century histories of home brewing and craft beer, a much more recent story. For sure. And I, I really appreciate this very like proactive approach to, you know, collecting things because, you know, this isn't that, you know, that far of a you know, distant past. And when people think history, um, I don't think they realize that we need to be collecting and preserving yes. as we go so right. that there's not this like weird dash at some point to preserve something. Right. And that's been such such a fun process for me as a historian. You know, coming into this, I was really accustomed to working with archival collections that were ready and waiting for me as a historian. You know, things that are neatly arranged for me in an archival center or library, um, documents or objects that have been collected and organized by a previous historian or previous archivist. But here, the great challenge is to think, well, if we want to build an archive for the public now, for scholars of the future, how can we go about doing that? What kinds of research questions are scholars going to be interested in 20 years from now, 80 years from now, what kinds of uh, things can answer those questions. And then as I go out and travel, and as you've mentioned, uh, as I've been meeting brewers and maltsters and writers and all the many, many different kinds of people involved in the industry, to speak with them about the extent to which their work is historical, that the present is, is of course, history in the making. And so, uh, you know, much, many of our discussions revolve around uh, what kinds of things might you have in your attic or your basement that, that you might not think is really significant, but the Smithsonian really wants that thing. And we, we want to keep it and preserve it and be the steward of it uh, so it can be useful long into the future. It's like you're creating a really, really giant craft brewing time capsule. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, so, you know, something that I was really excited about um, is an artifact that you collected recently. And for some people, it may just look like a wooden spoon. Mm, yes. But do you want to talk a little bit about this Absolutely. very yes. simple wooden spoon yes, that you is, collected? It is a very simple thing, but there it has been met with such excitement, especially in the beer world. And this is the... Uh, wooden spoon that Charlie Papazian, who is now commonly understood to be the godfather of American home brewing, he used this spoon to brew himself at home, but also to teach uh, his home brewing students in Colorado. And so he bought this spoon at, he thinks he bought it at a, uh, just a hardware store or a supermarket somewhere, uh, you know, where he lives in Boulder and, you know, thinks it probably cost a dollar or something like that. But uh, over time, it has just gained this true patina you know but by now it's this dark dark color and uh 
he notched the spoon, you know, to, to help him during his brewing process. And as some observers have pointed out to him, you can tell by the wear on the spoon that he is right-handed, that he used, he held it in a particular way, stirred the pot. And so, you know, one side of the spoon is worn down and the other is not. And so over time, he came to call this spoon his charismatic spoon. And so, uh, you know, again, it's not, um, not an expensive object, uh, you know, not something that you would look at and think is valuable, but what what we love about it at the Smithsonian is that it has clearly been touched and worn and used and, uh, you know, really tells the physical story and a kind of sensory story of generations of home brewers and craft brewers. And so, yes, we did ask if Charlie would be willing to donate his spoon to the American History Museum. He said yes, and uh, he and his friends and colleagues in Boulder actually gave it a going-away party before <laughs> it came here, and, uh, and uh, yeah, we are just totally thrilled that it's now living here with us in D.C. That's amazing. Well, for those of you just tuning in, I am uh, sitting down with Teresa McCullough. Uh, she is the historian of the American Brewing History Initiative at the Smithsonian's National Museum of American History. Uh, so, Part of your research and collection has also been in uh, interviews with a lot of different people that have been very significant uh, in American brewing and American craft beer. Um, what, is, what are one of the interviews that, that you've done that has really kind of stood out to you that was, that was really exciting for you? Well, and I will say uh, recording these oral histories has surprisingly, perhaps, maybe not, has become the favorite part of my job that, you know, as I, as I travel around, it's, uh, as you mentioned, it's, it's building a different kind of archive. It's an archive of voices and of people reflecting on their careers and their life stories and talking about subjects that couldn't really be captured so well in a document or object even. You know, as powerful as Charlie's Spoon is, it is also incredibly powerful to sit across the table from someone and ask them to reflect and think back on their childhood or on this kind of aha moment that turned them onto beer. I love to ask about those things. I always ask about if they remember uh, what they ate or drank growing up as a kid, and that, that immediately just kind of seems to put them in this place that uh, where they, they think about maybe where their lives began from a, a more sensory perspective, uh, and then how they got into their careers and matured in their careers. And so, um, you know, I've just, I've recorded a, a range of interviews with amazing people and, you know, sat in all kinds of different locations. And so, for example, uh, I've sat in the middle of breweries. Uh, so uh, when I went to Nashville, for example, for the Craft Brewers Conference, I spoke with Bailey Spalding, who uh, founded Jackalope Brewing Company. And we sat in the middle of their, their brewery with, uh, you know, the, the uh, fermentation tanks all around us, or um, Vinny Chalurzo, Russian River Brewing Company. You can hear the kind of the ambient sounds of the brewery in the background, which I actually love. Um, and then uh, Michael Lewis, who's a professor emeritus of brewing science at UC Davis, and just had uh, really wonderful reflections on his scholarship in um, in Britain. You know, before he even came to America, and became quite emotional thinking about an early mentor. You know, that that kind of um, emotion is something that is now on tape. It's recorded for historians to understand. You know, where his life began as a scholar. We sat in his classroom uh, at UC Davis, um, and so you know. I think thinking of back to these these interviews I've recorded, it, it's it's really apparent that um, it, it's a it's a truly it's a complementary kind of source to other kinds of uh, of objects that we are collecting. Nice. Well, we are going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back on Beer Me.
Welcome back to Beer Me. We are recording live from the Line Hotel on Full Service Radio. I'm sitting down with Teresa McCullough. She is the historian of the American Brewing History Initiative at the Smithsonian's National Museum of American History. Uh, every time I get that right, <laughs> I know that I owe myself a cookie. Uh, so, or a beer, rather. That's right. Uh, so, we were just talking about the collections that you were uh, gathering as far as oral history goes and, and those interviews and how, you know, kind of powerful it is to kind of have that sense of place of where the interview is. You know, you, you're in the brewery, you can hear the noise, you can kind of feel the emotions and, and, and all of that, which is really beautiful. And you mentioned that some people kind of have that aha moment where they first like transition into beer and when they first really get excited about beer um, or moments, you know, that have really kind of struck them and we talk about this on the show a little bit you know what was that first moment that got you really really excited or you know think back on an experience at a brewery that you know you can picture it perfectly you can feel it and when you smell a beer from that brewery it takes you right back to that really awesome moment uh what was what was a moment like that for you for me Mm -hmm. related to beer yeah oh that's a really good question well um you know i think uh in this I hope this doesn't sound like a silly answer, but when I went to college in Boston, I was there from 2000 to 2004, and um, you know when we would uh, go out to you know on the weekends or whatever, there was there was certainly a sense that beer, some beers that were available were better beers, and at that time, uh, you know Sam Adams Boston Lager or uh, Harpoon IPA, things like that were, mm-hmm. you know, they were really considered a kind of um, different thing to order that would be better than other options you could have. What I have really, I mean, what has struck me so deeply as I've done these oral histories, if possible, I want to share an aha moment from someone I've interviewed. Yeah, of course. Uh, so uh, one of the, the very first oral history I recorded was with Fritz Maytag, who purchased Anchor Brewing Company in San Francisco in 1965. It was a 19th century brewery, um, had kind of limped along following Prohibition, and uh, and Fritz came to the Bay Area as a grad student at Stanford and uh, had a kind of an interest in science, and, uh, and he... Um, became interested in Anchor Beer and the steam beer that they brewed and was told around 1965 the brewery's in pretty rough shape, they're going to go out of business, and he had uh, some money from the Maytag washing machine company family, and he said, I, I'm actually going to buy Anchor Brewing Company. I want to I revamp it. I'm going to mix the, you know, uh, make the recipe better, and, and, and that's what he did. He, he kind of um, polished up the brewery. He fixed the sanitation problems they were experiencing, and this new small-scale brewery, new old brewery, uh, really inspired many who came after him. And I can't tell you how many people I have then visited and recorded oral histories with who, you know, I ask about this aha moment and he, and they say, uh, you know, once when I was a, a younger, I just, I just had a sip of this Anchor Steam beer. And mm-hmm. that just, you know, that was different to me. It was, it tasted different than other things I could have. And, um, in particular, this past spring, I visited, um, I did, recorded an interview with Peter Eggleston and Joanne Francis uh, of Portsmouth Brewery and formerly Smutty Nose Brewing Company, and uh, and I asked them this question, and um, Joanne remembered going on a camping trip, and she said, well, my boyfriend at the time, he brought this Anchor beer, and it just it tasted awesome. And uh, Peter, I, you know, I asked him about this, you know, inspiration to found uh, a brew pub, an early brew pub in New England, and uh, 
he said, I can't quite remember if it was a sister or a friend, had just returned from a trip to California and said, well, I went to this new place, this new model called a brew pub out there in Hayward, you know, called Buffalo Bills. And uh, it's a place where they brew the beer, they sell it to customers on site. And just a few months earlier, I had, I had gone to Buffalo Bills and we've collected uh, an amazing variety of objects from Buffalo Bills, which is, uh, you know, just from this early moment of, uh, you know, one of the first brew pubs in America. And so just t- for me to be able to to see these generations of influence among craft brewers of our time is awesome. You know, it's just this kind of uh, virtual family tree of beer and inspiration that's kind of, you know, passing down the line and out through the country that has made our brewing culture today. It's, it's really cool to see. And so you, um, you've had your uh, fair share of kind of uh, varied experience as far as, um, you know, not purely academia, which is something I think is really vital for uh, the work that you're doing. You actually, you've, you have a culinary degree um, and you've, you've worked in kitchens before and you've done some home brewing from what I understand. I grew up with my dad being a home brewer and mm-hmm. I, I will not, I will never, I'm not a home brewer. I want to make that clear. <laughs> I'm a, I am a historian of home brewers. I do not claim that expertise. I, I benefit from the labor of others in that respect. Yeah. Uh, no, I grew up with my dad home brewing and uh, actually you know, tried to escape the house when on brew days because I thought it just smelled terrible. But he had us help cap bottles in the kitchen. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in retrospect, he started brewing in the early 80s. And, uh, um, you know, he I just remember him, you know, he's, a, he's also a coffee fanatic. And so he'd throw coffee into the beer and this kind of early enthusiasm about something you could make at home that tasted really good. I, I'm sure that made an impression. Um, but yes, I, you know, I, I came to this job through a kind of winding path. I studied romance languages in college, and I, uh, after college, my first position was with the Central Intelligence Agency in, mm-hmm. here in D.C. I was a, an, a European media analyst, and um, it was a great way to use my languages, but I sat in a cubicle. I couldn't see a window. I wanted to, a little bit more creative uh, work, and so in the evenings I worked uh, part-time in a restaurant and for a pastry chef who made wedding cakes, and then uh, also briefly actually for uh, food writer Joan Nathan who was writing a book about the history of Jewish cooking in France and needed mm. a French language research assistant to look through old French cookbooks um, and uh, then after moving back to Boston I worked for Harvard University Dining Services where I managed a, a food education program the food literacy project I managed a couple farmers markets and it was at that time I went to cooking school um, and uh, uh, also worked for one of my teachers who was opening a, a, a cafe up there. And so, yes, I, I have always enjoyed work in the kitchen because it runs according to different standards than academic work. What matters is how efficiently and cleanly mm-hmm. you work, how quickly, if you have good taste. And uh, I appreciate all of the processes and very hard work that goes into processes like cooking and brewing, and uh, I, I hope, I like to think that those experiences make me approach my work as a brewing historian in a different way, that I'm, I'm very curious about um, methods of production and about the kind of back-of-house story. Um, so, yes, those, are, those, are, those experiences have been quite important to me now. Yeah. So, and for those of you just uh, listening in really quick, we are sitting down with Teresa McCullough. Uh, she is the historian of the American Brewing History Initiative at Smithsonian's uh, National Museum of American History. So you've been collecting a lot of this information, you've been collecting a lot of these stories, these artifacts, and kind of um, tracing through how brewing history is American history. And there are a lot of uh, different, you know, 
parts of the brewing history that really draw out or, or make American history. Um, moving forward, uh, do you know when there will be... I know an exhibit was not necessarily the goal, but might it be? Yes, okay. and I'm happy to be able to say that now. Uh, that's right, that the, the primary goal of the initiative is to build an archive. And mm-hmm. so, you know, the, the initial purpose of that is to be a kind of repository of knowledge or resources and, uh, you know, something that is going to be cared for into the future. But yes, you know, let's, let's see the stuff that's, you know, I get that, I get that question often. And so I'm happy to be able to say that the, uh, the food history exhibition on the ground floor of the museum, we are, my curatorial team and I are currently doing a thorough refresh of the exhibit. We are, uh, the, the, the exhibit currently tells the stories of, um, how technology and cultural changes in America have impacted food and drink from the time period of 1950 to 2000. And now we're bringing it forward into the, into the present. Mm-hmm. And so uh, as part of this refresh, there is going to be uh, a modest section devoted to the initial wave of collections of the Brewing History Initiative. And so um, the, these will reflect um, objects and documents and, and oral histories that I've collected, you know, just in the initial um, year of the, of the position and uh, focus on early stories, a kind of, um, you know, early origins or roots of homebrewing and craft beer in America, in part because um, those relate particularly well to other stories that are told in the exhibition. Um, in the 1960s, 1970s, you know, we have various countercultural trends in American history, the kind of um, backlash against corporate culture and, you know, big business, and uh, in the case of the beer world, big beer. And so, mm-hmm. you know, Americans decided they, they had the know-how and the desire and the very high-quality raw ingredients to make amazing beer themselves and then to convert that into a new industry and so it's it's those stories that this uh this new part of the exhibition will tell i'm very excited for that uh spring of 2019 is when those items will hopefully be available uh for public viewing um and then part of my job also of course is is sharing this work with the public as i go along and that's you know I, i mentioned earlier that as i travel i speak with people that i interview about uh, you know, saving saving their possessions or their stories, you know, considering them historical. The other end of the spectrum is kind of sharing that historical work with the public as it is in process. And so that happens through a variety of public events and public programming at the Smithsonian and further afield. And um, two things are coming up that I think would be of particular interest to the public, if yeah, I could mention. So on, on August 8th in New York City, the magazine Hop Culture, which mm-hmm. focuses on craft beer culture, they are having a week-long festival um, in New York City, which, which that goes from August 7th to 12th, on women in the craft beer industry. And so the evening of August 8th, I will moderate a panel on women in brewing history. And mm-hmm. uh, so if... If any listeners might be in the New York City area and interested, uh, the tickets for that are available online via the Hop Culture website. $25 for a panel discussion and beer and food and, you know, good historical info. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the second thing I'd love to mention is that the American History Museum hosts a food history weekend each fall. And each year it revolves around a particular theme. And so uh, last year the theme was... um, uh, many flavors, one nation, to correspond to the opening of an exhibition, Many Voices, One Nation. And uh, the concluding event of the entire Food History Weekend is always a, a brewing history event. And so um, last fall, I, I hosted a panel discussion among um, 
a group of brewers who had experiences related to immigration or migration in their personal history. And we Mm -hmm. talked about how those experiences had impacted them as brewers. This upcoming fall, the theme of Food History Weekend is going to be regions in American food culture, American food and drink culture. And so uh, the last call event, as we're calling it, which will be the evening of November 3rd, Mm -hmm. uh, will be a, a panel discussion among four brewers on the theme of regions in American beer. And, you know, at a surface level, you might think about regions in terms of environment or geography, you know, access to particular ingredients or water. But, um, you know, I, I want to ask them to think beyond that. When we think about regions in American beer, you might think about, uh, you know, political or even legislative differences that might have impacted the repeal of prohibition. You know, we have a very different brewing culture in Nashville, for example, mm-hmm. uh, as I learned from the brewers I visited, uh, than, you know, compared to, to New York or to California, for example. So, um, we're, we're going to talk about regions on different levels. I'm, I'm super excited to have four brewers from really disparate parts of the country sit down, talk to each other, and then serve us their beer, which mm-hmm. I can tell you um, the, t- the brewers who have confirmed so far their beer is not available in D.C., and it's, uh, I think it's going to be exciting. So, yeah. yeah. Well, if anything, do yourselves a favor and go to the American History Museum. Go see Julia Child's kitchen. <laughs> yeah. It's really beautiful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> for tall people, which I appreciate. <laughs> right, that's right. Um, and also sign up for the mailing list uh, for the American History Museum because, you know, your email will get a periodic little update of really cool events going on. If you're in Nashville, also go to Jack Logue Brewing Company. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Teresa, thank you so much for coming in and talking with us. And uh, hopefully we can have you on again and uh, you can give us some updates on the uh, upcoming exhibit in uh, spring of 2019. Yes, I would love that. Thank you for having me. Right, thank you. Uh, please check out uh, Beer Me on all uh, podcast uh sourcing uh channels (laughs) and uh full service radio thank you so much this is uh beer me on full service radio thanks for listening to this program on full service radio broadcasting and recording from the line hotel in adams morgan washington dc full service radio programming can be accessed live and archived on fullserviceradio.org Our talk programming is available on most podcast apps like iTunes and Stitcher, and our DJ sets are available on Mixcloud.com slash Full Service Radio. Full Service Radio features over 30 weekly shows and over 50 local hosts covering every topic imaginable. If you want to be a guest or get involved, email us at info at fullserviceradio.org. Follow us on Twitter at FullServiceRDO on Instagram and Facebook at Full Service Radio. Thanks for listening.